With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a whirl. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Welcome back to Around the Coin. Today I interview Rahul Sood, the CEO of Irreverent Labs. Irreverent Labs has raised $5 million in a round led by Andreessen Horowitz. Their main product now is a game called Mecha Fight Club. It's going to be rolled out, released in spring 2020. Uh, Rahul is a longtime gamer and game developer, and we talked about what he's building in terms of creating a technology layer that translates art and creative works into 3D immersive games. And that, of course, is incredibly relevant given the transition that we're going through into Web3 and the metaverse. So we talked about Rahul's outlook on gaming, the implications that global games have on the world, both geopolitically and culturally. And we talked about some of his past experiences. Uh, Rahul was a fascinating, unique insight, given that he's building games, and we usually talk about payments. But nevertheless, there are tremendous overlays between the impact of cryptocurrency, as Mecca Fight Club and Reverent Labs is building on blockchain and using blockchain as a means to build a gaming ecosystem that doesn't exist. So I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. I bring you Rahul Sood. All right, Rahul, thanks for uh, jumping on today. I'm excited to get to know you a little bit better. Um, for myself and people listening, uh, can you give me just a, a short background on h- how you started the project that you're now working on and then where you see the say, short, medium-term trajectory of what you're building? Sure. Um, well, I'm a, a, a long-time gaming entrepreneur. I've had multiple gaming companies that have, you know, been acquired or, you know, um, have, have, have turned out to be, knock on wood, uh, like decent successes, I guess you could say. So I, I'm a, I've been a gamer since, uh, since you know, you, like before you were born kind of thing, right? So forever, my, my entire life has been gaming. And... Um, my, I got into to, to, to blockchain pretty early. Like I was kind of a, a Bitcoin skeptic in 2012. Then I started taking it seriously in 2013. And then I, I really went deep into the, you know, into it in 2014. Started a, um, esports betting company that, uh, that became the largest esports betting company in the world and just got acquired in, in, uh, last year by, by one of the largest, um, gambling companies in the world, Entain. So, and unicorn? Yes, yeah, unicorn. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, along the way, you know, I got deeper into blockchain 
we made investments in um, a uh, in we were the first investor in this this play to earn game called Zed Run, which is horse racing on the blockchain. And um, and I I started Irreverent Labs with a partner uh, who I used to work with at Microsoft. Um, we both started Microsoft Ventures together, uh, and this is years this is before Unicorn. Um, and we worked together for a few years. Uh, he's one of the smartest people I've known. And uh, he left Microsoft after I left to, to get into the venture space and make investments. And then I, um, I met up with him after Unicorn sold, and he just wanted to know what I was working on. And I told him about this really dumb idea I had for a video game. Um, and the rest is history. We, we, we started Irreverent Labs, and we started building this game. Uh, and it's just a crazy concept for a game. It's called Mecha Fight Club or MFC, and it's uh, oh, we've been having a ball building it. So yeah, what, what, what was the pitch? I mean, when you when you first caught up with them and was like, "Hey, I want to build Irreverent Labs and MFC." Yeah, Irreverent. <laughs> it's uh, oh, that's why I said. Yeah, I think that's my bad. Yeah, I don't know. Some people say irrelevant, oh. though, so it sounded like it. I don't irreverent. know. Maybe. I was- <laughs> But uh, what was the pitch? Um, well, you know, it started off with da- D- David was back at Microsoft actually, and he was he was running um, a uh, the AI team at Microsoft Cyber Defense. So uh, so he had a he had a group of like machine learning experts whose job it was to um, to build uh, machine learning applications to identify and thwart nation state attacks against the United States government before they happen. Um, so he was doing very serious work. And, um, and, uh, using all machine learning and all AI, just brilliant stuff. And he told me about this, uh, piece of software that he built outside of Microsoft, uh, that he called Supermodel. It was a really interesting piece of software. They, they were potentially looking for a CEO for it. Um, and, you know, I loved it. I love what they were doing, but I felt it was, uh, you know, when I, when I dug deeper into it, I just thought that there's a better application for that type of work. And uh, so I said, listen, I got a really dumb idea that you may or may not like. You may never want to have coffee again with me after I tell it to you, but or you may you may love it. And I, I shared with him this idea of the game uh, and, you know, and how we uh, and, you know, we sort of discussed how we could apply AI to it because there's just he just knows so many people in this field. Um, and um, and uh, and that's kind of how it started. Like I shared with him the story. He laughed the entire time. Uh, you know, anybody I kind of tell the story to, they sort of laugh and it's, uh, and it's, um, it's just been, it, it just, it just started out that way. So that's how we got it going. Um, and what makes this game unique, it's basically a fighting game based in the future where every character in the game is an artificially intelligent NPC or a non-player character living on the blockchain as an NFT. That's kind of how it starts. And then it, it gets much deeper than that. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, what, 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 of that, when you describe that, uh, would you call it like a framework or a structure to the game? Uh, where do you view the, um, what like the levers are, you know, when you have a NFT character on the blockchain, what, what does that allow you to do that a normal game wouldn't per se? Sure. Could, could we pause for one second? Uh, yeah, I sure. Ask you, I, you're, you're getting super grainy. Uh, do you notice that with me or is that just oh, me really? on you? Yeah, massively. Like, <clears throat> I don't know if that's, if you see me a clear, if you see me clear, it's fine, but it's just kind of, I'm not sure if it's. Oh yeah. Visually. No, sometimes, um, if it goes, uh, we'll just, we'll just power through it okay. because sometimes it'll look that way. If your internet starts to slow down, it'll prioritize audio. And then afterwards 
it'll look much better. Okay, because it's kind of been like that for quite a while. Uh, let me just make sure everything else is shut down on my end, just to see. I apologize. Uh, oh, all good. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's I don't think it's my internet, but uh, but in any case, it's fine. Um, let's keep it going then. If you're if you're okay with it, yeah, yeah no problem. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, do you want to? Uh, should I start again with that question? Uh, we'll, we're just gonna roll through. Okay. We're just rolling. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really, we're just rolling. Okay. Sorry about that. Yeah. All right. All good. So, uh, so, uh, so my, my my yeah, where I was really curious is like. If, if you're creating a game and obviously the blockchain enables you to do a lot on payments, but, and NFTs, specifically when you think of a, a multiplayer game like this, what does the blockchain enable you to do from the user's perspective? Like, how would I immediately know yeah. that this is a game built on blockchain? Well, so you, you shouldn't know that, right? Like, you shouldn't, you know, t- technically uh, it shouldn't be about the technology. It should be about the game, um, which is, which is kind of a fail for most of the, projects in this space um you know the, the it's very complex to to build on blockchain in the first place and secondly to learn how to onboard onto some of these games you have to almost be a crypto god right and it shouldn't be like that but um your your question should probably be why blockchain right like why on earth would you build you know a game on blockchain in the first place uh and 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 a wrong answer would be because it's a hot space and everyone is getting into it that would be a terrible answer right the the reason for us is pretty simple. It's it's really about ownership. Like I've been playing games my entire life. I play League of Legends all the time, right? And I don't know if you've ever played that game, but basically there's a bunch of champions that you pick from, you buy skins in the game and they're stuck with your account. You can't sell them or trade them or anything. And you really have no emotional connection with any of the characters in the game. Like you may like playing Teemo Jungle or Fiddlesticks or Master Yi or whoever it is, but you don't own those characters and you have no sort of say or input into, into the development of that character. So with blockchain, you know, the, the, if it's done properly, basically the idea that you can own your character is one thing. The fact that every character in this game is unique. So they have a unique name. They have unique traits. Uh, they have, you know, bionics, unique abilities, uh, and they have a unique personality. The fact that it's all built with machine learning, and these are all unique characters, it's just the beginning. Because now you own that character, and you start to get an emotional bond with that character. Um, like, the way we're building this game is pretty interesting. We've got, it's sort of like a series of mini games. We're not building a monolithic game, right? Like, we're, we're not building a game that has, you know, uh, like a, a, a ton of, of features and, and depth right from the, from the drop, right? What we're building is, we're building a series of mini games that have a lot of depth, and the common elements between those games is the lore. So there's like a really deep storytelling and lore in the game. Uh, the characters, so the characters carry across all the different sort of mini games and the economy. Um, and when I say the economy, the game has an economy built into it where, you know, people who play the game, they earn as they play. Uh, sorry, the birds earn as they play or the characters in this game, they earn as they play. And you can use what they earn in various ways in the game. Um, or, you know, if you decide to take it out of the game, you can do that as well. So, uh, so I mean, you know, it, it's really, it's, it's, it's a nuance, but uh, a lot of gamers are, have this allergic reaction to NFTs and, you know, why do we need blockchain and that sort of thing. It's sort of like a very uh, visceral reaction that a lot of core gamers have. But at the same time, there's a lot of sort of these new web three gamers, if you will, that are getting into this space, um, that, that, you know, really see kind of the future of where things could go. 
And there's a bit of crossover between them. So for us, there's a massive reason why we're building on blockchain. Yeah. 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 It's, it seems, it seems almost subtle, but the subtlety is, is I think a perception. So when you play a game, you're very much within the walls of the game. I mean, you're in that universe. You, like you said, you can't take skins out. You can't move anything out of the game. Uh, and own it digitally. But as I think of why build on blockchain for gaming, it's because of exactly this application. It's you can create multiple games in one sort of bigger universe, being able to move assets through that just wouldn't be possible, right? It has to be maintained on some database. So unless there's one mega company who has a database of all the skins, all the assets inside of all the characters, you know, you can't, which is makes sense, right? You can't move between World of Warcraft and, you know, League of Legends, or if they're not owned by the same, well, I guess maybe they're, but no, but yeah, no, your, your point, your part makes sense. No, but listen, you're, you're, what you're talking about is interoperability between games, right? And I hear a lot of people talk about that's the holy grail in gaming, where you can take your sword from League of Legends into, you know, Counter Strike. And it's not, that's like the dumbest, you know, notion of what nft gaming should be and and it, <laughs> and it comes from people that don't understand gaming they never played a game in their life right they uh they don't and, and i'm not talking about you in particular i'm talking about yeah, generally yeah. that idea is ridiculous right if i'm a game publisher or i'm a gamer they're just gonna laugh and say like fuck that i don't want to do that right? <laughs> so, yeah well so where, where where it actually gets super interesting is when you take those common elements that matter on blockchain and carry them across to um either a, a series, like in our case, we're doing a series of mini games, but we can also take our characters into other decentralized worlds. So maybe we're not going into World of Warcraft with our characters, but we might go to Decentraland, for example. We might buy a piece of land there. We might, you know, have fights inside of Decentraland, you know, that sort of thing. Um, the, you know, to give you some more like depth of the game, the game is a fighting game based in the future where aliens landed on Earth in the year 2060, roughly. And they came to Earth because they felt that Earthlings were ready to share technology with planets uh, across the galaxy, right? So they're like, oh, these guys are definitely ready. So they come to Earth, they land on Earth, and they left a week later because they realized we're just a bunch of idiots and we're not ready to share the technology. But when they left, they left behind 41,000 eggs, right? And these, and no one knows what to do with these eggs. And, and there's seriously like this amazing lore that we've built. And it's like chapter by chapter. It kind of goes back and forth. People are sort of putting it together. But the idea is that, uh, you know, these, these eggs start to hatch and these evil corporations figured out that what hatches from these eggs are these like mecha bot, these bionic roosters and hens that are used, that they use to enslave the human population with, right? They're, they're called mecha bots and they, and they're basically there to kill humans. Uh, and the evil corporations are using them to sort of control the human population. And, and then by the year 2140, there's this uprising, a resistance, if you will. Uh, and, and there's this group of hackers that figured out you can reprogram the eggs so that instead of having them fight humans, they fight each other in these hilarious, cruelty-free, mecha cock fighting games in the Coctagon, right? And, and so we start out by, by, by liberating Las Vegas and in the year 2140. So the skyline is like different. Because it is the year 2140, but it's not wildly different. You still see the big wheel. You still see the MGM Grand. But in the middle of it, you see this giant octagon that's like beautiful. And it's got, it's got like screens all around it. There's art. There's, you know, it's, 
think of it like a rave almost where there's, uh, we're, we're bringing in creators and artists and musicians to sort of participate in this world. But, but what you have is you're having these cockfights in, in the middle of Las Vegas in the year 2140. Um, and that's sort of like the, the, the premise of what we're building. And, you know, our goal is to build a emotional attachment between the characters and their, and their birds, sort of like a Tamagotchi on crack. Hmm. Yeah. What about this? Uh, did you write the storyline or tell me about the storyline process development? Yeah. So my, my son and I actually scripted this game. Uh, my, my youngest son, uh, by the way, is 19. Uh, we, we sort of scripted this game over the last year. And then, uh, and then when we, when we, you know, brought together the team with David, we brought in the, the best living artists that I know from uh, Las Vegas. His name is Gear Duran. Um, we put together this amazing machine learning team, people that David or I have worked with in the past. Um, we brought, uh, we brought on a team that's building on Unity because we're building this game. Like it's a really a beautiful 3D game. So we put together a, a Unity team, which they, 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 uh, a majority of them happen to be based in Ukraine. Uh, so it's been kind of like a, uh, you know, it's brought a, a challenge in the last couple of weeks and, you know, how things are going with them and that sort of thing. That's a whole different story we could talk about. Um, and, uh, and then we, we brought in some really, really great computer scientists from Microsoft, like computer engineers from Microsoft to help us with our blockchain and with our, with our machine learning part. Um, and the story is being written by, uh, our chief storyteller who used to work for me at, at Unicorn, um, you know, my last company. So again, like these are all people that have worked with us in the past. And, and this guy used to do like PR and communications for me personally, but he's also this like crazy gamer slash writer. Um, so he's like, he's having a ball because he's now not only, not only writing, you know, like chapters of like lore, but he's also helping to design the game. It's, it's just like a dream job for him. Yeah. yeah. How much for say for somebody who is in that position of writing uh, storylines for games? Obviously, there's a lot of parallels between science fiction writing um, and just writing in general. What's the difference there? Do you view it as exactly the same, or how does a science fiction writer uh, cross over into the world of game storyline writing? Like, what 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 are the things that make uh, storylines for games distinguished from just general stories? It's such a great question, actually. Um, you know, the, I had a meeting yesterday with this major Hollywood producer uh, who asked me, who's your writer? Like, and, and he asked me, like, you know, who is he as in, uh, is it, you know, like he assumed that this person was someone famous, right? You know, whether it's male, female, it assumes it's like, you know, is it, is it this person or this person like name dropping? I said, no, 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 this is like a nobody you've never heard of who, you know, who's a, just a fantastic writer. And, and the idea for a game writer versus say as, as somebody who writes like science fiction novels is there's not a lot of difference other than the fact that you have to do it in bite sized chunks and you have to be able to sort of like present it in a way that, uh, that can apply to you know, what would, what would appeal to a gamer? Um, and in our case, you know, we, we go back to what we're trying to build, which is a hilarious, cruelty-free mecha cockfighting game based in the future. Uh, we want people to laugh and enjoy this type of entertainment. It's a game where, you know, the characters are all art artificially intelligent. They have their own personalities. And, uh, you know, we just, we, we, we're, we're, we're building so much like depth into the actual characters of the game. When you read the story, you want to be able to, identify with the characters uh and and it's sort of like in bite-sized chunks it sort of jumps around so it's not like a monolithic novel if you will but in the end it will be a novel 
right? Because it'll be, you know, you'll put together all the chapters, you'll reorganize them in chronological order, and then you've got your novel, or maybe not even reorganize them. Because right now it's, it's all random, but it tells you, you know, exactly how many years before the hatching or how many years before the Las Vegas liberation or that sort of thing, you know? So it's, pr- it's pretty yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Setting it in the, in the, in the relatively near future makes it feel, and especially when you start off with aliens come to earth for our technology, it, it certainly feels like it, it is a potentially real scenario. And, and I think that's what makes it particularly interesting because it, you can it, say even more so, by the way, I'm sorry, sorry for interrupting you because, yeah, yeah. you know, on that point, yeah, we start out in the year 20, 2060, but, but we're also talking about current time as well. We're talking about like the, you know, Satoshi Nakamoto and the creator, you know, creator of Bitcoin. And uh, we talk about all that. Like we started, you know, in like 1978, even there's, there's some characters that are from 78 and then sort of going on to their, you know, like the future and what that looks like. It's pretty neat. Like you can jump around in this timeline and, uh, and create this, uh, this just really rich story in the end. In the last 10 years, over $100 billion worth of crypto has been lost or stolen specifically because of poor key management scams and hackers forget not your keys not your crypto software and hardware wallets have both the same vulnerability that a single private key can be lost hacked or simply just misplaced my new sponsor the zengo crypto wallet is a total game changer bringing wallet security to a whole new level you have to check out zengo an on-chain crypto wallet with no private key vulnerability leveraging advanced cryptography called MPC, which has just until now only been available to multi-billion dollar institutions. So Zengo, most secure Web3 wallet, is the best place to keep your crypto, NFTs, and assets secured. It's also fully recoverable using their biometric recovery system, and it's also just beautiful. Get started at Zengo.com and use code ATC to get $20 back on your first purchase of $200 or more. That's Zengo.com, code ATC for $20 back on your purchase of $200 or more. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Yeah, it's cool. I find that the, these good, these great stories, you know, when I think of like Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and others, they have a almost mythological structure to them where they have the, whether it's the Joseph Campbell's hero story arc to the, to the adventure, you know, the, the guy has this dragon out there, either metaphorically or literally, that is a monster or a boss, and they have to go out and fight him. They resist the call, but then eventually they go for it and then they're on the edge. And, and that is almost like, it's like 
human nature to to want that. It, it, I almost feel like it's it's hard coded in us to have that adventure, have the struggle. Like I love the humor aspect of it. You know, there's certainly flavors for just dead serious shooting, but the humor and the non cruelty, which I, I take to mean like you're not seeing <laughs> heads blown off. You're more or less just you know, killed at stun. <laughs> it's more like uh, we don't want them to look like real roosters and hens. They actually look like robots. Mm-hmm. Like they look like they're, you know, they're bionic. Um, and what's interesting is when we created the AI, you, you've, you've got to meet my partner one day and he can explain it to you in ways that will just blow your mind because it kind of sounds absurd the way we're doing it. But we have like, uh, we're using AI in a few different ways. Um, we're using it, uh, number one, in uh, creating the, uh, the, the, the personalities, uh, no, sorry, not the personalities, the, the way the birds fight in the ring. It's kind of like, it's, it's like agent simulation AI and it, and it, and it allows you with agent simulation, you can basically simulate the moves that the birds may use in a fight, how they fight, you know, how they avoid falling out of the ring, you know, that sort of thing. The problem with it is that you, you don't really get a personality in the bird. So we actually used, um, like real chicken DNA. Uh, you know, uh, we use like two chromosomes from a specific type of chicken, uh, and, uh, reconstructed it to create a personality for the birds. And it's not like we did experiments on, on chickens, but, but this is actual data that's available, publicly available data, uh, you know, from, from, uh, the Gallus Gallus chicken that was, uh, that was, uh, you know, that the, somewhere in the U S government, they actually took this chicken and they, and they, and they, uh, they, they did some like experiments with the DNA and that sort of thing. So we took that data and we basically used it as a way to create personalities in the birds. So they have a unique personality. And then, and then the other way we use AI in the game is, Wait, can I, can I pause you there? Cause I'm not yeah. sure I got you. So you have this, uh, DNA, which is a effectively a, 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 a long text file of four different proteins, right? Then what do you do from there? You turn. So we took two. We took we took two chromosomes from the uh, from the uh, you know from this bird essentially, and we uh, and we deconstructed it in and you are using machine learning. We're creating personality for the birds, so every bird should have somewhat of a unique personality depending on the amount of human interaction that they get. So over time, these birds kind of develop more, and you learn more about the birds because. In this game, your job as a player is not to control the birds, right? It's sort of like um, if you, you know, going back to the idea of a non-player character. Uh, uh, do you know what a non-player character is in a video game? I mean, I'm assuming that most people on this I, on this podcast may not, but um, well, but it's probably good. It, I'm not a big gamer, so I I I've heard it, but I don't know what it is. Okay, let me explain. So, do you ever play Grand Theft Auto? <laughs> yeah, I love okay. that. Okay. Okay. So, so, you know, the people that you beat up with a baseball bat and you steal their car and then they get up and they walk around like nothing happened. That's a non-player character. Now imagine if those Uh, characters were actually artificially intelligent, right? And they actually were smart and they fought back or they picked up the baseball bat and beat the shit out of you, for example, right? Um, a good movie to watch is, is, uh, with Ryan Reynolds. It just came out. It's called Free Guy. It's on HBO, uh, Max. And it is an incredible movie. Ryan Reynolds plays, um, I, uh, a, he plays a non-player character in a video game and he doesn't realize it. It's brilliant. Um, so I, Oh, wow. That's trippy. Yeah. I would, <laughs> I would highly recommend you watch it. It is such a good movie. I've seen it like four times now. It is so good. Yeah. 
Have you ever seen the um, Instagram accounts of uh, people walking like uh, non-player characters where they're just yeah. like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah they, and, they, and they do the, yeah, they do the motions from like Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have. And, and so, um, so, you know, we, we've used AI in, in three different ways. So, so in, in the first two ways I, I, I mentioned, so one is how they fight, two is their personalities using this, uh, the DNA from this, you know, the Gallus, Gallus, uh, chicken. And, um, and then the, the, the last way we're using machine learning is, is basically, or just like even really great, uh, software engineering, I guess you could say, is to automate the pipeline of, um, of the game creation. So, what I mean by that is, um, artists are the, like artists and musicians are probably the most important part. The creators are the most important part of the game, right? Like creating the art, creating the characters. That's super important. And that requires a real human to do that. Somebody who is an actual artist who loves this stuff and can create it and make it just absolutely beautiful. But taking that art and then putting it down a pipeline where you then take it and you create it into a game ready asset is mind numbing. And it's a process that artists hate. They don't want to do that. They just want to create. So we're, we're automating that process using code to get it to a game ready asset. So when the reason we're doing that is because these characters sell as NFTs to start. So when you buy the NFT, you want like a beautiful, you know, piece of art that has motion. It's, it's got AI. It's, it's a, it's animated. It's really fucking cool. Right. And you want to be able to take that now and put it in the octagon to fight. Um, and you know, artists don't want to be doing that sort of that mind numbing work to make it into a game ready asset. So we're using machine learning to be able to do that as well. That sounds like a huge undertaking. And you mentioned that it's kind of, kind of like a side project. That, that sounds like something you could spin off and it could be its own, you know, $50 right. billion dollar company. Well, right. So that's a good point. So we're building, so Irreverent Labs is a deep technology company, uh, in the guise of an entertainment company. Um, you know, using a cockfight, like a mecha cockfighting game based in the future as a Trojan horse to develop this tech, right? So we're building this really sophisticated AI technology. We're building this uh, automated pipeline from, you know, creating beautiful art to turning into game ready asset. Uh, and we're kind of taking that technology. And at some point in time, we want to be able to, you know, uh, sell that or, or license it to other companies or make it available or that sort of thing. So yeah, you're hitting it on the head. This is, this is why. You know, we don't call ourselves Mecha Fight Club, even though Mecha Fight Club is everything that we do. Um, we, we call ourselves Irreverent Labs because the games that we're creating or the entertainment experiences that we're creating are meant to be hilarious and, and, uh, you're, you're meant to laugh and not take us seriously. Because if you think about the humor in this game, you know, we're talking about a game where you've got cocks and hens, you know, that are rooster, that are, sorry, that are robots that are fighting in the coctagon and and those are the professional fights the amateur fights happen in the cockpit and every few months we have this big royal rumble event called the apocalypse right and when these birds hatch from these eggs these eggs by the way they're all individually unique beautiful eggs i'm not talking about like you know the eggs that you buy from safeway right and it's not a it's not like a well, this better be right this yeah. is alien eggs so i'd expect nothing less right right so they're beautiful eggs are all unique and w what happens is everybody, so we're, we're going to liberate Las Vegas. And when we liberate Las Vegas, we, we discover 6,969 eggs of the 41,000 and we release those to the public. So people are going to buy those eggs, right? And those eggs come with something called a provenance card, which is like a trading card that shows the entire history of that egg and what hatches and it's professional fighting history. It's amateur fighting history. It's traits, that sort of thing. 
And then uh, after after all the eggs ha- uh, s- are sold, there's a countdown that starts. It's a countdown to the hatching. And when they hatch, you get to see your bird. And uh, and the birds are unique, right? Like 40% of them are, are female. So 40% are hens. Uh, hens are smarter than males. They all have bionics. So all the birds have five different bionics on them, which range in different materials. They have different colors. Some of the colors are super ultra rare. Like there is one color called Centurion Black. It's the most beautiful black color that you've seen, right? And, you know, and then they pick their name out of a hat. So we, we've shown a few of the example birds. We have this one bird who's Centurion Black and his name is BBC. Um, you know, like you, if, if you, if you, you know, and then we have another bird. His name is Hen, Hen and M. We've got Oprah Henfrey. Uh, you know, we have like these kind of like ridiculous names. We have this one, one female, uh, this hen. Her name is Honeypot and she's got this wild personality. Um, you know, she's sort of like, uh, she, she's out there now kind of, um, uh, it's exploring social media in different ways. We have another hen. Her name is Tessa, the cyber cluck. And she looks like a cyber truck essentially. And she's obsessed with Elon Musk. Um, you know, so it, it's, it's like we're building personas around these birds and we're also building a, uh, you know, a, if you will, we're letting the community run with the humor of Cox versus hens. Um, you know, the breeding game in itself is hilarious. If, if you, you know, cause we're going to allow breeding one day where if you got cocks and hens, you can breed them and whatever the offspring is, is the offspring. But the game of breeding with these things is just, is like hilarious. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And that's yeah. why we call ourselves the reverent labs. We don't want people to take us seriously because cancel culture is too wild out there. You know? Um, yeah, that's totally that's good. Line. And that's, that's, that's the, that's the wild card. Like that's the way you can just do, be ultra creative is if you're in the bucket of comedy. Like if you're in the bucket of like serious, then, you know, bullets are coming. Yeah. yeah. You know, the, every PC and every political frame is going to be held up. Uh, I love the similarity to in terms of breeding and everything else with the horses and unicorn. It feels like very similar dynamics to having that that animal character. You're like valuing it. You can trade it. You can enhance it. You can breed it. Um you said 40% are female, 60% are males. Is that true of chickens? Is that how the... No, that's just how we picked it in oh. the game. I don't actually know what the truth is of chickens. I know there's like lots of different types of chickens um, that the Gallus Gallus one that we picked is just like one of like maybe 40 different species or so. There's a yeah. lot of species. Um, but I would say that, uh, yeah, no, we picked 40% for a reason. Our, our, our thinking was that... so. You know, we were worried about this game because it is a, it is, you know, cockfighting. I told you about the humor, you know, the fact that you got a, uh, you know, a chicken named, uh, you know, BBC could, could be offensive to some people, that sort of thing. So, but we want women to play the game and we want them to understand that, you know, hens are cherished, right? Hens are 40% of the population. You need hens to breed. Hens are way smarter than roosters. Um, so people are going to want to buy hens. And, um, and, and so, you know, that was part of the thinking, you know, to be a little bit more inclusive. But it's hard to be inclusive in a game in a in, in the gaming industry, which is very like sort of male dominated and and almost uh, you know the people in the community are toxic and that sort of thing. So the way to be you know the way to be inclusive in this case is to make the characters important and to make people whether they're male or or, or female uh, get emotionally attached to their characters in a way that that you know they're they're having fun while doing it. Um, mm. The other thing that's interesting interesting story when when David and I were talking to VCs. 
we we originally weren't planning on raising money, but we went to A16Z just to kind of show them what we were building and to get an idea of what they were looking for for the future when we do want to raise. And uh, and the person who runs the A16Z crypto, her name is Ariana Simpson, and she's like, mm-hmm. uh, she's first of all, she's brilliant. She does tons of deals for A16Z, and she has women on her team. And there was only three women in the room during the the pitch thing, and it was just me and David. And we're thinking like, holy shit, what are we going to say? Like, you know, we're building a cockfighting game in the cockpit and the cocktagon and the apocalypse. Like, you know, uh, and and we just said, we just got to embrace it. We got to be who we are and tell the truth and say, this is yeah. what we're doing. You know, what do you think? And I mean, eight minutes into the presentation, Ariana's writing her notes and she wasn't smiling or anything, but she was writing notes feverishly and listening. And then as soon as we said, here's a here's the hand and we showed a picture of the the first hands. She looked up, she said, that's really cool. And she started laughing. Then everybody in the room started laughing and then it was great. You know, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it, it, and so there's going to be 6,969 individually designed hens that turn into like obviously three. Yeah. Yeah. So, so basically the first drop is 6,969 eggs and eggs. out of the 41,000, right. And those eggs will hatch and roughly 40% of those eggs you can assume will be hens. And your, your guys are designing every one, obviously, right? Everyone yeah, so, is unique. Yeah. So the way it works is there's, uh, I'm going to guess there's like 50 different color palettes or maybe 55 different color palettes. Right. And, um, you know, they range from like common colors, like pure white is a very common color. I think it's like 27% of the population is pure white. And then the most rarest, rarest, rarest colors, there's like Lambo yellow and, you know, uh, like uh beast of the green hell and like there's there's like different colors and the rarest color is uh, our materials um are are like alien materials so 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 the colors basically range from you know from like common to sort of like rare colors and then there's exotic materials and the exotic materials are the most rare exotic material satoshi sapphire and it's and it's a it's an alien material uh, it's named after Satoshi Nakamoto, you know, and there's, there's stuff in the lore as to why, but Satoshi's, S- Satoshi Sapphire is the most rare material. Then it's like Doge Diamond. Then it's like Gold Standard. And there's different ones that you can get. And then every bird has five bionics. And the bionics are basically, uh, the things that sort of help them in various parts of the battle. They all have bionics, but like if your bionic is made out of plastic, it's going to be less effective as say one that's made out of Satoshi Sapphire. And, um, and a bionic is an example is like the beak is a bionic, the claws are bionics, the comb or the waddle, depending on if it's a male or female. And then they all have a reactor on their chest, like Tony Stark. And, um, and the reactor is for like endurance as an example, right? So if you have a, if I have a, um, you know, a centurion black bird, that's just beautiful and a super rare color, but it's got like a plastic, you know, reactor and you have a pure white bird who, you know, let's say his name is Sean White. Uh, and he's got a, uh, you know, a carbon fiber reactor, you know that there's a good chance that your bird will last longer in fights, even though the color is different because the color has nothing to do with how well it's going to fight in the ring. And and obviously, if you breed those together, you'll have like uh, a supertronic. Well, you'll have something. And we haven't talked about breeding <laughs> yet because I've learned uh, over the years about breeding in these games and what it can do to overpopulation. And, you know, it, it can really create some other challenges in the economy. And, uh, and so we believe we've solved this. We have a totally different, uh, you know, idea in mind with breeding. Uh, but I can tell you that you'll want to keep the offspring. Like you're, yeah. you're not going to just, do you, want a, to do, do you have a, do you have a one cock policy? 
Well, <laughs> you, you have to have one cock in one hand for sure to, 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 to breed. Uh, you can't, you know, you can't obviously breed with the same sex. Uh, but uh, as far as like a one cock policy, no, you can own as many cocks as you want. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. When you write the story, do you, uh, d- does Giggle? it just roll? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure of that. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, we, I mean we, have this, we have this one game where, you know, it's like an AR game where you can take your phone. You can go into a bar and you can put your basically pull your cock out and have a cock fight in the middle of a bar using AR, right? And it's just like it's so funny when you think about the how absurd this game is and the humor that goes into just the creation of these fights. Um, we have a we, we had a meeting, uh, you know, a few weeks ago where the machine learning guys were talking about uh, some of the automations that they're building. You know how I told you about the the automation of the pipeline, and one of the automations is is in creating eggs. Um, and you know, how many eggs per hour we're creating and then, and then what that translates to into how many birds per hour. So, so he was, he was talking about, his name is Rashid and he was talking about, um, you know, how many, how many eggs per hour we're at. And he says, well, so we're about 180 eggs per hour right now. Uh, you're talking about the compute and all the stuff that we're doing on the cloud. And this equates to about 25 cocks per hour. And he really, he said this with a straight face and, you know, I'm kind of laughing and I just paused and I said, Hey, Rashid, can I ask you a question? Three months ago, when you were working at, you know, the Microsoft cyber defense team, could you ever imagine that you would be working on how many cocks for? And he just like paused. He started laughing. He said, no, there's like zero chance in hell I ever could have imagined I'd be doing this compared to what he was doing before. But it's pretty amazing. Like they, they have a lot of fun doing what they're doing. It's just, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, that's really, really fun. And most of the guys are in Ukraine that are doing the design work no 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 actually uh, no our lead artist is here in uh, las vegas uh somebody i've worked with in the past so he's our creative director he does all the designs like all the the, the top tier designs are um are uh m- m- my previous creative director at unicorn is here in seattle so he does like our web stuff and our ui and that sort of thing um all our machine learning and blockchain people are here in seattle the guys in in ukraine uh guys and gals in ukraine are working on the unity part of the game so, so they're helping us with the, you know, the, the, the sort of the game part of it. So we, we give them the assets. They're helping us with models. They're helping us create sort of the unity animations and that sort of thing. Yeah. And the, the piece that you're building in house that, uh, turns the design into the 3D model. When you think of the deep tech, that's, that seems really hard technically. Is that something that you think is obvious to go towards the licensing model and, and giving it away or? charging other companies to build or do you think of it or is it still a decision that you're thinking about whether it becomes like pixar where you just say we're going to build the technology in-house and we're going to use it with our own story writers and continue to make awesome games i'm a lot i'm a lot more open-minded that way like i don't think of um i don't think of ip as something you should just keep yourself and you know and make it as a competitive edge i think of it as a way to if you create really great ip you should find ways to share that IP with others who are who are equally passionate about what you're doing and to help, you know, help create better experiences. So I, I really think what we're building is groundbreaking. There is no game like it out there where every character is artificially intelligent. No one's ever done this before. It's very hard. But I think uh, I think once we do it, I think we're going to crack a whole new era of entertainment. So um, I would love to to find ways to share that technology in the future. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I'm kind of surprised, I guess. It really comes down to how many other uh, organizations would be able to utilize the technology. Like I'm picturing Pixar when they built what they built, maybe 
I don't know, 10, 15 years ago when they're really kind of the, the first company building this uh, animation uh, studio. They, I'm sure they had this conversation internally. Hey, should we allow other people to use this technology? I think ultimately they didn't do that, right? They don't allow other people to. It was, it's a culture thing back then. Uh, like Steve Jobs was never one to, to share anything, uh, you know, to be honest. Uh, and, uh, and I, and I, and I know that because I've had a history in the PC space and, uh, you know, we were building PC, like gaming PCs were like the first company to start building those things. And we ended up getting acquired by HP. But along the way, you know, I'd actually met Steve Jobs, uh, and I, and I, and just after we got acquired by HP, like I'd, I'd met him a few times and, and like this one time, he came to an event. It was called All Things Digital back in, oh God, I'm trying to remember the year. Maybe it was like 2009 or seven or something like that. 2007. It was All Things Digital. And it was like this big event where there was Bill Gates and Steve Jobs. They went on stage and they spoke. And it was just a fascinating talk. And then he came out afterwards and he, and he walked by this, the HP Voodoo area. Uh, and, uh, and I asked him, you know, he was looking at the, the systems that we just built and we, we just launched this new PC called Blackbird and it was out of this world. And I asked him, Hey, would you ever consider, you know, licensing your OS? And he says, no, that'll never happen ever. And, and he was kind of a dick about it, but you know, that's like, that's like how it was. Like that was, you know, back then Microsoft, Apple, all these companies would protect their IP. And nowadays, you know, Elon Musk generates lots of IP, but he only does it for defensive purposes. He does it so that he doesn't get sued. And then he open sources it to other companies, right? Like who does that? And he does it because he knows that he's 10 years ahead of every other car company, right? In terms of the software that they're building and their AI and all of that stuff. They're like at least five years ahead of the fastest growing, you know, uh, company in that space. So, um, so, you know, the idea of licensing, uh, like licensing IP versus protecting it is just, it's just better because then, yeah. because then you can actually improve it you know, overall better, you get feedback from people, you know, I'd like to do this, or I'd like to improve it this way, or that sort of thing. And to me, that's actually really cool. Yeah, it seems kind of like the, uh, the, the Microsoft versus Google approach, where it's open source versus closed source, like .NET being closed source. And um, uh, what am I? I'm trying to picture Android? open source. And Android? Like, yeah, 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 sort of like they're both they, they're both kind of equally guilty from the past. I mean, Microsoft's definitely gotten a lot better with open source these days. They, they embrace Linux and same with Google. They, they, they both are like the, 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 the Chromium, you know, uh, browser, that sort of thing. It's all open source. And they've definitely started to embrace open source because they get, uh, you know, by ha by making it open source, you tend to get, um, more people, more developers, more brains creating something. And, and, uh, and it's just better because then it's not like it's, it, you get out of this not invented here culture, uh, and you can innovate faster, uh, arguably with open source. I, I think it, I think it, I think of it as really depending on what is being open source. If it's a technology layer that you, it's like a layer one concept, <clears throat> not layer one blockchain per se, but it could be an operating system or, you know, in the case of layer one blockchain, but it's something that is not going to be used by people. It is a like deep technical layer that's possibly even interacting with the hardware. Then it just makes more sense to open source it because it's not going to be productized in and of itself. Whereas I think of it as the higher you go up the chain of, of 
software, the closer you get to the actual user using the thing. Like in the case of Tesla, I'm touching this car, but they what they open sourced was the technology that allowed them cre- to create the AI from the cameras to the machine learning. Like that's that's the layer one technology piece that certainly facilitated the car in in you know in my hands or on the ground. But I I also kind of understand what the line is why companies wouldn't want to open source like the blueprints or all their right. code or you know right. they're like, like you can't share be, yeah. you, you can't share the design for example or there's stu- there's stuff in there that you don't want to share um maybe it's even like the, the battery differentiator right like what makes their battery so much better than porsche for example right um like stuff like that is 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 tough but you know i think elon musk is a different kind of guy like he's way past the point where he cares about that you know, protectionism and he's, he's more about making the world a better place and, you know, climate change and that sort of thing. So I think for him, it makes sense because his goal is to change the climate. Uh, so he wants more companies to embrace this shit, right? Uh, it's too bad that the U S government doesn't see it. I mean, if they did, they at least mention the word Tesla once in a while. Yeah, no, I know. It's weird. It's weird. Yeah, it's weird. That's really weird. I agree. I don't know. I think it's because he's just not he's not in the mainstream. He's not a subscriber. He's very much a he's he's not afraid to just go against the grain like, hey, some politicians. He's not not lobbying anybody. That's no, not lobbyists. He fought lobbyists for years, you know. So, yeah, I I, man, I I think I I think he also knows everything you said is true, right? He wants the world to be uh, interplanetary and uh, sustainably, you know, energy, energy production, transportation. But I think he also knows that by having that be the mission, that the mission is not about making money or even selling a product to make money. It's it's beyond that. He knows. And by open sourcing everything, you're attracting people and you're, you're attracting the best people. And the best people are not just slightly better than good people. They're like, right. they're like 10 times better, like the law of distributed talent and distributed anything. And then I think the other thing is you, attra- you attract people to perform at their highest level because you're right. calling on a mission that's so beyond just uh, 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 material, right? Like when you look at most mission statements, it's like, we want to make, you know, the fastest widget or the cheapest this. And it's like, the fact that his mission is critical to the survival of our species. Like if you can say that you're pretty much, you're going to get the best people and you're going to get everyone to be really hardworking, no bullshit. And I think that's, that's the thing. I agree. I agree. I I do think it's weird though, because I completely align with what you're saying. I, and you know, you look at what's happening in Ukraine and, you know, Elon Musk sending out, you know, like satellite communications and that sort of thing, just on his own dime, on his own jets, his own technology just to 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 help the people yet there's so many people it's weird i don't know what it is but it, whether it's a left wing right wing thing or whatever that are so against him for whatever reason like he's he's an evil guy or something and it's i i it's i, I guess they just don't they don't pay attention to the news or they don't know what's going on like i don't understand that um so like a guy who's doing so much to make the world a better place gets so much shit from people for like the dumbest things, you know, it's weird. Yeah. I mean, really my, my thought, my thought is, is that, <clears throat> I mean, this is a very big picture, uh, framing of it, but, and I, I yeah. very much could be wrong, but I do believe that in today's world, 
uh, in the West in particular, we don't have like the religious structures that we had, Catholicism, Christianity, they have largely been dropped. Like pe- people now between the ages of, you know, under 40, you know, most yeah. people, religious rates are declining. They're not going to churches. There's no yeah. higher level into which they subscribe. This is where I think the the replacement comes in where it's like, I, I now worship the ideas that are being put forth in politics and the woke ideologies are, you know, certainly a a major prominent one, but there's other kind of like smaller ideologies that go in line with what's right and what's wrong. That's ultimately what it boils down to what's right and what's wrong. What should we do with our own lives and with other people's lives? And I think that is what he's not subscribing to. And when you get people who, who are like, not just not willing to subscribe to your higher level ideas, we'll call it, but they're like, Hey, this higher level idea is it's, it's BS. Then, then people get mad. They get mad. They're saying, Hey, I don't, you know, and and he's not willing to subscribe to that. He's an independent thinker. Yeah. Yeah, And he's quite prominent. I mean, he he also talks publicly like Jeff Bezos, Tim Cook. There's a lot of people who are in similar corporate positions who just don't speak publicly in long form. Um, They might give snippets here and there or like talk business, but they don't talk about deep topics. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, he's got nothing to lose or whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, do you, do you, um, follow the, I mean, I, I want to ask you about these, uh, folks you have in Ukraine. You, you talked about it a little bit. Uh, yeah. do you see the current situation? Um, obviously it's majorly disruptive, I'm sure for them and everyone there and a, a tragedy that's happening. Do you have any take uh, other than sort of my understanding of it is Putin is the aggressor, Ukraine's defending themselves and just, there's a lot of chaos. It's, it seems to be, that's the state yeah. we're in. It is, uh, you know, we, we have meetings with them almost every day now. There was a few days where we couldn't speak with them at all because there's people moving from Kiev to Lviv. Um, but they, uh, you know, they're, they're such a neat team. Like they're very optimistic. Um, you know, they, they tell us stories about what's happening in the war and that sort of thing. There's, they're struggling. Like they're struggling. There, there, there's people there. Like one of our guys, uh, just got to Lviv like, a couple days ago, and he was coughing incessantly on the meeting we had. And I and I said, "What's going on?" He said, "Yeah, I spent like three days in bunkers, like basically dirty, dusty bunkers with crowds of people. Uh, you know, he definitely probably has COVID. Um, you know, what one one girl came with her six year old son, you know, uh, by themselves. You know, going from the east to the west." Um, and they still want to work. I mean, their concern was their concern was like delivering, and you know, and they they don't want to lose their jobs, and they want to help the Ukraine economy, and they don't want to leave the country because they want to fight for their country. I mean, there's there's so much happening right now that I don't think they fully, um, I don't think they fully kind of uh, know what to expect. I guess right, mm-hmm. and and you know, um, I'll say it like I don't you know like Putin's a bad guy. Like he's just a bad bad guy like there's no justification for what he's doing um uh you know people talk about how uh oh they were going to join the un or this and that or or sorry the uh, uh nato or you know this and that and it's like yeah it just it just doesn't compute it doesn't add up to the level of you know that that he's taken this to and so i'm worried man like yeah. i worry about you know i worry about a nuclear war potentially or you know, or, or the exact opposite has to happen, which means, 
you know, whatever Lindsey Graham was talking about, you know, basically something like that, right? Like he, he has, to, like Putin has to go. He, ha- he can't be in power anymore. I don't know. I don't know what to yeah. tell you, man. I, I, I can just say, you know, I'm, I'm heartbroken for these people. You know, we're, we're still working with them. Um, you know, we still we care a lot about our team there and, you know, and they, they, uh, they're just, they're just like determined to, to get through this. So we're determined to work with them and yeah. you know, get through it together. Yeah. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, I think I think this concept of good versus evil and the, the evil inside of everybody is a fascinating concept. I, I especially find it interesting how uh, gaming can be become a really relevant um, thing in the world. Yeah. Like f- yeah. for this, for, for, like in the real world, gaming, which is not, you know, it's it's figurative, it's uh, illustrative, uh, but it tells a lot of the stories that we use. It's like the same reason why when I watch a uh, a Disney movie or Lion King, I'm interpreting a lot of the archetypal stories that play out in the real world. And like yep. when you say he's evil, well, how many characterizations of e- the evil boss or the evil character in movies have there been or games? And I view games as especially relevant today because we're, we're connected to each other through games as opposed to movies, which is just a, a one-way street. You're just watching what they're providing games, you're interacting with other people. You're interacting with other people across the world and you're interacting with people across the world real time and you can communicate with them through the stories that people like you have created. And so it's, it's, it's almost like if there, there's nothing like it, there's no, Twitter is probably the closest thing, but even then it's always, it's just literal. It's just character text, maybe yeah. some voice, but there's no archetype to it. It's just like a, a no. giant room where you throw 10,000 people and everyone's talking at once. Like games right. are, and there's a storyline, you know? Yeah, there's a storyline. There's a community. Uh, what's amazing is, you know, we're we're building community. You know, we started, we, we announced this game a month ago and we've got, I don't know, 18 or 19,000 people now in our Discord, all le- like legit real people no, we, we put every anti-bot measure in there. We didn't ask people to invite their friends randomly. Like these are people that are communicating. And what's crazy is we have a big population of Russians and Ukrainians in this community. Mm. And we have these language wow. channels that are separated. Right. And like a couple of weeks ago, they were talking to each other and they're all friends. And now it's like, it's, it's you know, the Ukrainians are talking less and less at the moment because they're, they're in fucking trouble. And, uh, and, and the Russians who are in this, channel and you got to go see our discord and just look they're all like basically pro ukraine they're like they they they, they don't believe in the war so these are young people who are getting real information online 
right? And, uh, and then there's older people who are getting complete misinformation who really believe they're fighting Nazis. Like it's, it is so fucking crazy. I can't even explain it. And I can tell you now that as far as I know, uh, Russia has cut off Facebook and Twitter now, and they're going to get to the bottom of all this stuff. They're going to cut it all off. And, and so we put out a note yesterday to both communities, dear MFC Russia. Like we, we, we told them, like you know, we, we gave them a basically, you guys, at some point you may get cut off from all communication you know, want to let you know that we appreciate you while you're here. We're all praying for, you know, the people of Ukraine. We hope you'll join us in doing that. And we sent a similar note to the people in Ukraine, except it was much different tone. It was more like, listen, you know, when you're like, uh, we know that you're, you're, you know, you're struggling to stay in communication and like, and be here and we're all praying for you. And we hope, you know, we hope you get through this uh, in, a, in the most optimistic way, sort of saying, well, we'll be here, you know, uh, when you, when you, when, when you, uh, you know, when this is over, uh, it's, it's so messed up that we have to think that way. Right. Um, because you're right. This is gaming is about getting people together. And, uh, I, I would invite you to go to our discord and just take a look to see how wild this actually is. It's playing out in real time for us. It's not. Yeah. And, and so, oh, and by the way, there's people in the community that are doing art. It's, there's the shit that they're creating is unreal. Like go to our Twitter and just see some of the stuff that we're retweeting. This one person created a, uh, a bird so cre- took one of our birds and created a ukraine version of the bird with ukraine colors and uh and you know wrote a really really nice note about you know we you know we're, we're praying for ukraine they'll rise from the ashes or something like this just unbelievable stuff right so i shared it with our team and uh we had a meeting the other day and one of the girls on the team the, the lead pm used that as her background and uh and then i you know i asked her if i could take that picture and share it so i shared it with more people their company shared it and now they're using it like all over the place this image uh because it, it's it's inspired them because they love working on this game it makes them happy mm-hmm. like out of all the shit that's going on in their life the fact that they get to work on this game that makes them happy is what is what's keeping us going it's so, awesome and man, it's so wild it is yeah yeah, yeah I, I think the uh the the reaction to separate as soon as there's a, a, a um, fighting going on, the you know I certainly understand why we do that as people. Uh, you're effectively saying you know bad, don't do that, and therefore I'm not going to engage with you. But the downside is that if people don't if people can't talk to each other, then the stories start to separate. And when the stories separate, they quite easily go, you're the bad guy, you know, and they point yeah. to the other side and they both think that the other side is the bad guy with the same level of vigor and conviction. And that's where I think if it's Starlink, if it's, it's Discord. Happening. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm saying, like, surprisingly, it's not happening. Like there are, there are, there are some people at the beginning that were like, you know, we shouldn't talk about this, stay neutral, like Switzerland or whatever. But, you know, at the end of the day, no, you got to do what's right and you got to say what you, what you believe. And, and it feels like, uh, there, that's just not happening. People in Russia are actually saying to the people, uh, the Ukrainians on the community, we're very sorry for our country. We're embarrassed about Putin. Like it's bad, right? I mean, uh, you know, we had a naming contest, by the way, uh, three weeks ago, uh, for naming the birds. Cause you know, the birds come on, they pick their name. One of the names that was picked was, uh, Vladimir Putin cage. This is before the whole, uh, <laughs> the whole thing happened. And, and all the Russians were laughing about it. Like, we love this name and we're going to, we're going to create Vladimir Putin cage and we're going to, you know, do some really funny sort of Russian art around him and stuff. And then the war started and it's like, whoa, this is, this is completely messed up. We're living in a, you know, in a simulation. It's crazy, man. Yeah. What a, really what, a, what, a, what a, what a nice discussion we've had today, Mike. I appreciate it, man. Like, uh, 
I, uh, I didn't think we'd, we'd end up going this far, but I can tell you that my team in Ukraine will really appreciate this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, kudos to you guys. I think you're, you're approaching the moderation of the communication in a way that's really productive and engaging and, and integrative because it's people like you and hopefully people listening that are in similar positions that have this decision to make, which is, hey, yeah, you may be feeling pressure to exclude, you know, like Adidas and Nike and all these brands saying we're shutting off everything from the Russian people. Uh, but you have to think what what's right for the community that I have. And if you're, if you have a true community, you have the most valuable thing, which is you have the ability to allow people to connect and talk to each other. And when real people talk to each other, it allows empathy to be deployed. And I think that that's, that's what, that's what dissolves the anger that's necessary for real physical violence. I, 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 so, and I am so aligned with that. And I, and that is exactly why I believe they're cutting off internet in Russia. Right. Because yeah. they don't want that empathy. They, they want to send the misinformation to the people. And like I said, I, I, I even have a friend, really good friend who, who's actually moving here from London tomorrow. She's, she, she was, uh, born in Seattle, but she moved to St. Petersburg. She lived there her entire life. Um, and she's, uh, you know, she's Russian. Uh, and, uh, and she recently moved to London a couple of years ago when she got married and now they're moving to Seattle. Anyways, I had a conversation with her the other day and she's heartbroken. She was telling me that like she's basically giving me all the, reasons why this war is wrong and why Putin is bad and this and that. And she's Russian and she's put it out on her social media. And I said, are you going to go home and see your, you know, your mom or anything? She said, I can't, I can't go back to my country because, you know, if you speak out against this war, you get up to 20 years in prison. Wow. Right. Um, and she's doing it on her social media and stuff. So she goes like, I cannot believe that I have to envision a day where I cannot go home to the country I love. Right. It's amazing. Yeah. It's like, well, it's like, it's, it's so fucking crazy man like yeah. i don't know what happened tonight but like as soon as this is done i'm going upstairs i'm gonna put the news on and just see what happened you know it's yeah just so crazy. doesn't make you for all the shit we have going on in the u.s it just makes me appreciate we got one thing right and that was like rule one freedom of speech you know yeah. you don't have to agree with me but you have to respect my ability to articulate the views that I have that are in disagreement with you. And like, yeah. that, there's a reason that was like number one, right? It's like, well, whatever was going on in the 1600s, they realized if you can't talk, what do you do? You fight. And we don't like yeah. fighting. So no, exactly. I, I have to say one other thing too, like about that, like I'm a, I'm a left leaning, socially liberal, fiscally conservative person. Right. But I lean left on social issues. Um, but, you know, like I started to really spend a lot of time on 2A, like Second Amendment and really understanding it and why, you know, of course, there's extremes on both sides. Right. And and there's and there's ways to solve like mass shootings and stuff that doesn't involve taking away, and you know, everyone's firearms, which will never happen in the U.S. There's ways to do it, but neither side is working on those ways. They're just not. They're going one extreme one way or one extreme the other. And it's terrible. But when you look at what happened in Ukraine, they're handing out rifles to people who've never used them before. Right. And uh, they're giving them like a quick lesson on firearm safety. Now go defend your country, you know? And, um, and that to me is crazy, right? Yeah. Like to me, yeah. you know, at least in the U.S., it, like uh, obviously majority of people have firearms. They do. If Democrats don't like to talk about it. They'll pretend they don't. And Republicans love to talk about it. They, they, they'll, they'll tell you all about their guns. But, um, but, uh, you know, I, I, it just makes you think about the Second Amendment in a different way, you know? Totally. Totally. Like, a, a, like a, a ground war in the U.S., I, it, like not that Canada or Mexico would ever come, you know, and, and kill us, but you never know. 
right? Yeah. Maybe Justin Trudeau yeah. loses his mind, or maybe maybe you know World War II happens, or somebody comes in through Hawaii or Seattle or whatever. We don't know anymore, right? Mm. So, anyways. Yeah. yeah, you have a lot of, I think that that's, that's a major reason why the U.S. has never been physically invaded, is that other countries know that there's more guns than people. And I don't think that, there's certainly negative trade-offs you pay for that, right? We have more yeah. shootings, we have more murders on the streets and more school shootings. Uh, but to not acknowledge the positive aspects, which really is, and, you know, even in our lifetimes, right now that's happening in Ukraine, but it has happened here in the U.S. and it's happened in other places not that long ago where governments act terribly. And it's not to say that that it's intentional. It's just the way yeah. that human beings are. We are right. Yeah. We, we, we chip away. Right. Cor uh, corruption is like a slow moving uh, tumor that just grows. And if it, if it grows unchecked, then, it, you know, it kills the host. And I think yeah, the the yeah. the threat of having the ability to protect yourself is enough to slow that. <laughs> you know, that's kind of there, how there I is think a about there, it. there is a way to stop uh, to all but stop mass shootings though. It's it's through the use of technology in a very serious way, in a bipartisan way that neither side has looked at. They just haven't. Um, the the extreme right says no, I don't want to. You know, I, I don't want any background checks, and the extreme left says we should limit how many bullets you can have in a magazine. Like they're so dumb on both yeah. sides. It's yeah. like you can't. You know, there, ha there is a way to stop this, uh, and it requires technology. And if it wasn't for MFC and Irreverent Labs, that's something I would have gone and tackled. But it's just such a, like, soul-sucking issue that I just yeah. decided I want to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, wait, well, what's the solution? Uh, how do you see it? Uh, yeah, so, so look, it, it, it involves, um, so, so right now when, when you, and it's a, s a series of things, but right now when you buy a, a firearm, you go through a background check, right? Typically, you'd go through a background check. Not always. In some states, you know, there's, I know there's stories of 18 year olds buying handguns and you're not supposed to, but they, but they can, but you go through a background check and, um, every firearm you buy, you go through a background check. The problem is these background checks get discarded. Um, and they, they aren't actually keeping like a, a, a database, a centralized database, like a registry of, of gun owners and what guns they have and the serial numbers and that sort of thing. The, the reason they're not doing that is because people on the extreme right say, I don't want my name on a registry because when the government is a tyrannical government, they'll come to my house and take my guns. If you have a tyrannical government, I promise you they're going to go and take everybody's, they're going to go to everyone's house and murder right. you regardless, yeah. right? Yeah. Like they don't give a shit. They're not going to say, oh, this guy has 10 guns. Let's go to this guy's house. That's not what's going to happen. They're going to go to everybody's house. So number one is you have to have a, a registry and you have to be willing to be on that registry. At the end of the day, if you're buying a, you know, like a, 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 a crazy ass, like, um, you know, six sour, whatever, like, you know, P320 with 17 rounds and this and that, like you should be on a registry, just like when you buy a car, you get on a registry. That's one part. The second part is, let's say you own 20 guns and you bought, you know, like three more this month. And they say, oh shit, this Mike Townsend guy has like, you know, 30 guns in his house now. Um, and he's buying a lot of ammunition. He's actually loading up on a ton of ammunition right now. That's okay. Right. But let's just take a, let's like look at the, the social media or the stuff that he's doing online holy shit, this guy is talking about like shooting up a school or doing something crazy on Reddit or like, he's really talking a bunch of nonsense. We really need to look at this as a potential hotspot. So it's essentially using data. And, un you know, unfortunately, this is a thing that people hate when I talk about it because it is, it is uh, one of those things that you have to do, but it's using data and machine learning to understand and identify a threat before it happens. And that can be done in a way that is, uh, that, that 
doesn't just randomly get people in trouble, but it can identify a threat before it happens and it can stop a school shooting before it happens. Um, but it requires a public, uh, public private partnership with companies like a Microsoft and a Google and that sort of thing to make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. I see how that can be really effective. And I can see that the yeah. pushback is being, there's just more control and more, more power that the more centralized organization, but it seems like a worthy trade. I mean, I think about a yeah. solution is like, we, we should seriously deploy a, a, uh, a, a big fund, both financially and a, a serious heart towards the psychological disposition that someone is in when they're in that state. And like, yeah, you could take away the guns, but that doesn't take away the suicides. It doesn't take away the pain that's still there. And I think well, sure, that's, the, sure. the, that's, that's a major thing too. Like, sure, sure. The mental health part is is part of it, but it's not the cause of somebody going out and and randomly, you know, uh, indiscriminately killing people just like that. Like it is definitely they're mentally, yeah. you know, like screwed up for sure. But but you know the fact that they're able to get those guns legally, mostly, yeah. right? Yeah. And the and the fact that they're able to to do it with undetected, basically, uh, with with no kind of uh real kind of like you know consequences or eyes on that person or that sort of thing is just wild. Right. The fact that I can go out and get a concealed carry permit in Washington state without a gun safety course is insanity. You know, like I can, and by the way, it takes like two weeks to get one, you know, two weeks to a month at the most, but I can just fill out a piece of paper, send it in to the chief of police and I get my concealed carry permit. I can now carry a handgun and I, and I have no idea how to use it. Right. I don't know. I don't know. Right. I don't know the four rules of gun safety. Like that kind of shit is not normal. Uh, and in any other place in the world, it wouldn't be normal. Like, yeah. you know, unless, yeah. unless it was like a, you know, like a place full of, you know, all kinds of like anarchy or whatever. But in any yeah. case, this is like yeah. a whole other subject, but yeah, but it's a, it's a, it's an important one. Yeah. It is an important one. Yeah. I, I appreciate you going down this road and just expressing your thoughts on this because nobody, nobody knows what the answer is. And all of us have, it seems like a lot of us have given this some thought, but I think that the more you articulate the ideas, the more you get feedback from other people, the closer we can get to a good answer and not fall any, uh, not fall into any pit holes, you know, where it's like right. we make a mistake collectively. So congrats on everything you're working on, man. Uh, I'll let you run. Um, it's a Friday afternoon here. So I appreciate your time. Yeah. I love what you're working on. I love the spin on humor. I love the deep technical base that you guys are building. And certainly that Discord group sounds like a really powerful platform you have. So hope to have you back on someday, I my man. That. Yeah, man, like, w when this is done, I'll share it with our community. And, uh, you know, if anyone's interested in learning more about Mecca Fight Club, they can go to MeccaFightClub.com. They can find us on Twitter. They can find me on Twitter at Rahul Sood. And, um, you know, we're we're having a lot of fun building it. So if you're interested in playing it, let us know. Yeah, and you're looking at a, a spring, spring 2022? Yeah, around uh, we were supposed to do it at the end of this month. Um, you know, the 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 war is a bit of a setback. Uh we're we're we're, we're probably like we're still very capable of doing the drop, but we want to make sure that the game is ready before we drop these NFTs. We don't want to be like these other projects where they promise a game and it takes a year. So so for us we're probably like uh, you know, sometime this spring uh like Aprilish, I think is probably when we'll do it. Yeah. Cool, man. Awesome. Keep kicking ass taking Thanks. names appreciate it all right bro all right we'll see ya thank you for listening to around the coin if you enjoyed the show today consider giving us a quick review wherever you listen to podcasts tweet about it or text it to a friend we really appreciate all the support and growing that we can if you have any guests you'd like us to bring on or feedback for us 
Don't hesitate to reach out. We would love to hear from you. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun with over eighty casino style games to choose from. You too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a whirl. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.